I am Puneet Kurana with my very good friend Manish Thawan and together we bring you Stoic podcast series. This series is started as an initiative by stoicinvesting.com to bring the best minds of investing to teach their wisdom irrespective of their investment style or philosophy. Learn the various viewpoints, choose the nuggets and then develop or enhance your own investment style. In the jungle of financial markets where the incentive structures and the greed of the system stack the odds against the small guy one organization strive to improve the odds for the retail investor today we have as our guest the mind behind this organization his approach involves a meticulous let the numbers talk attitude towards equity investing i and my friend nuresh talked to debashish basu of money life on this episode we discuss the behind the scenes working of their extremely popular newsletter and much more i hope and i'm pretty sure actually that you will enjoy listening to devashish welcome mr basu and thanks to resh for being here um you know let's begin from what money life stands for you know uh, from the time i have read chitanand book or your articles and everything else money life stands for you know let's say um cage rattler so to speak so you know it's it's a image which you carry that you you ask questions which generally people will yeah. get away from asking and uh, you make a point that the hypocrisies which are there in the system you make a point that it comes out right so let me start there only what is the hypocrisy in the investment world which you would probably want to <laughs> to point out or maybe something which you want to discuss which which bothers you and uh, which you would want to you know correct let's say or you want to see some action in that direction uh, it's tough to say because uh, you know to if you see the at one level there are mutual funds right if you see the long term performance of lot of mutual funds have been quite okay when for instance hdfc equity never fails to say that in 20 years they've gone up 40 times so in sensex is gone up only 7 times uh we find that there are there's tremendous scope for improvement at all levels of course notwithstanding the great uh, performance of one or two funds one is at the regulators level and i think the big issue there is that sebi has a grievance redress system which is not which doesn't work and we got a lot of complaints from a lot of people who say that that it's difficult to put in a complaint difficult to get any resolution and and so on and so forth so that's one day so any interface of investors with the regulator is an unhappy one okay by and large we at the same time we have written a couple of cases where people have fought for themselves and one but that is an exception and people with a lot of time retired people very bright people very the focused mind they've gone and uh, fought their cases and won for instance so that is not possible for an average investor right so there's huge amount of work needs to be done at the at the regulators level to make them user friendly to have to give a better user experience as as we call it for for their main constituent which is the the investors right, right. so uh, whereas the investors and i this is an this is an uh, analogy i'm never tired tired of saying whereas the user may s- step out of his office and get on to a ride sharing app 
which has come from abroad right. and get in and get out at the flick of a button and that's where the technology is sort of uh, making our lives better and easier and simpler whereas anything to do with with government and right. in this case the regulatory authorities remains virtually like you know like the previous century where uh, if you have a problem you have just hardly any chance of getting it resolved satisfactorily on the fund side there is uh, you would see the examples of the better performing funds what we always find quite amazing is the uh, is the average returns now once again another pet point of mine is that you have 44 fund houses <clears throat> and at the most you need about 150 odd people on the equity side right. fund manager one senior maybe another guy too 150 people right. in a population of this size if you go and check their uh, academic record they are all iim iit kind of people because they are the best <clears throat> everybody wants to be a fund manager right that's the natural progression for most people in the financial financial sector so these are the best of the best chosen one and yet if you see the average return of the of a, of the fund in a given year and the best performer is huge variation right. i mean they're not even beating fds an average equity fund manager is not beating fds in most of the periods right maybe when he has the wind behind him in an exceptional situation in 2004 5 6 he'll do very well because that's just being luck, lucky so that's another thing that i find quite amazing that the extremely poor performance of a large number of equity funds which drags down the overall average i think that's completely unpardonable because you're using you're dealing with um investors money and i don't think they apply their mind well enough i think there's a dereliction there this is what what i feel because Yeah, yeah. Can we go slightly into sure. uh, you know because you know you have worked on details of finding things. What are the key reasons why you think that underperformance is there? Is it just application of mind? Are they See, by something else? one is lack of incentives. Okay. So we have we have got the regulation. We have imported the regulation from the US, right. which is all in favor of the institutions and against the investors. Now, anybody with average common sense who understands what incentives mean right in a system in an economy in a society in civilization right he may ask a very simple and a naive but a very correct question which is why is my returns variable whereas your returns are fixed right there is no answer to this because we have borrowed the regulation from the us which says that you will get a fixed percentage as you know management fees, management fees right and that is not linked to the overall performance neither to the size neither to the size that's incredible i had this uh, almost like a you know heated exchange with one of the ceos of i was in the mutual fund advisory committee one time and i have been constantly saying india's exp- expense ratios are all extremely high in fact i told mr damodaran when you were the sebi chairman that there is no reason for you not to cap index funds expense ratio at 0.5 or 0.4 right it was 1 and 1/2 at that time and now it's brought down to 1 1% for doing nothing 
So then a CEO of a mutual fund said that, but it, it, it goes down it, when the fund size increases. I said, but it doesn't. How does it go down? It's a percentage. It's in your hands. SEBI has said you cannot charge more than this. They've not said there will be a reducing scale. So how will it go down automatically? Right. It will go down if you one fine morning decide to bring it down. But there's no system to bring it down, natural system to bring it down. So are you saying that we are borrowing from wrong sources? And I think that's of course, I mean a lot of things we do which is you know unthinkingly we do without applying our mind. I think that's on the regulation side. But uh, whether it's uh, whether it's lack of incentive or 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 any other reason, I mean there, are, there could be other reasons also. Some funds are bad because there may be dubious practices in those funds. In fact, we've done a study uh, which mirrored a study done by somebody in the US that you would notice that the while the top 25 percentile members would keep changing, the bottom 25 percentile remains constant. So there is something inherently wrong in the practice practices. Right. Questionable a, questionable practices. A, there's a huge variation in yeah, terms of absolutely. the worst absolutely. and the best. Absolutely. So. Exactly. Right. So we felt that's why we felt uh, that you know, um, there could be a scope for us to sort of uh, see whether we can bring in a better kind of approach to stock picking. Right. Right. So we're very audacious. We've been we've been riding on companies. We've uh, sort of uh, also been fairly successful, but that was probably because we were again riding a wave because right. we launched our magazine in 2006 and 2006 seven those stocks have done very well right. uh, but with the names that you mentioned whether it's um, uh, quantitative investing value investing or whatever we, we've sort of i've personally applied my mind and i figured out what could be a better way to select stocks and my view is that you should try as much as possible to remove emotional bias right. forget about emotional bias that that will be not there in this case because we are advising others right. so if we invest our own money of course the emotional bias comes in it's a little easier to tell people what to do because right. you're not biased in that right. sense but the bigger point is not to have a theory about this sector that stock infrastructure will do well so Logis uh, e-commerce will do well, so. So these are theories people create in their own mind. Okay, so so we, we just say that we don't need to do that. Right. The best performing stocks have certain characteristics. Right? Uh, on the other hand, there will be a large number of stocks which will do better than this first set of stocks. So there are two issues here. Right. You need to have a process in place right. which you should have tested under different market conditions and say okay this this works right. how do we know this works because average expected return on this is better than the top five mutual funds over any five year period right. so we feel that we are a little more confident than anybody otherwise we would have said listen go and invest in mutual funds they are giving a good return so can we do five percentage points better than them and right. we think our process will be able to do better than them Second reason we do better than them is that we are not hugging the benchmark. Every single mutual fund uh, fund manager has, has told us that this is the first thing that salespeople ask them. Why are you lagging the benchmark so much? Mm -hmm. 
So one fund manager told me 75, 70% when the new money comes, 70% of my money is on benchmark stocks. Mm -hmm. Then 30% I'll start investing. Mm -hmm. So are not being hamstrung by that kind of a useless process will always mean that we have a better chance of picking a stock which uh, which is not there in the benchmark, we, we don't care. It may be there, it may not be there, it doesn't matter. So to give you a good example, look at a stock like LNT. Right. Now, LNT falls in both these two categories. Right. Somebody may have a theory that the economy is bottoming out and a lot of capex will start, a cycle will start and this will happen and that will happen. So NLT, LNT is a good stock to bet. Somebody else may have a theory that I don't know anything about that, but it's a index stock. So I need to bet, bet on it. So both the fund managers coming in from independent viewpoints view go and pick up LNT. We will not pick up LNT right. for the simple reason that it is it doesn't meet our metrics right. in terms of return on capital employed, and uh, we don't have any theory about infrastructure boom, capex boom, and any of that. We don't want to have any theories about that. So you know, then if no theory, then let's go to the process which you have zeroed down, and right. uh, also go to. My core process yeah. is based on a book which costs only 250 bucks or so, which is uh, which is little book that beats the market. Yes, that's the core process, but we have modified a lot. I have my own ratios, which right. is, I'm a chartered accountant, I, I think you know. So when I looked at the ratios, which everybody uses, it's part of our job to use those ratios. I looked at a ratio like return on equity or return on net worth as it's, called in India right. and return on net worth is nothing than net profit divided by shareholder capital including right. reserves. So there is a flaw in it. Okay. The flaw it is, is that a company may have a very high ROW but created out of a lot of debt which is not captured in this yeah. formula. There is a second formula which is EBITDA or operating profit divided by return on capital employed which is ROC right. divided by capital employed which is ROC. There's a flaw in it. Right. Why? Because EBITDA doesn't take the interest into account. Right. EBITDA may be very high, but interest is bankers are taking away bulk of the money. Sure. So you're actually not creating value. So I looked at these two formula and I was surprised to see nobody is using a combination of this these two, which eliminates both the flaws. So you take the net profit and you take capital employed. Because for shareholders, that is what matters. I have given you the money, you borrowed, I don't care where you got the money, you have invested so much of money, you are investing in the business, right. what are you getting for me? You are getting the net profit out of which the dividend will flow. So to judge the real value creating capability of a company, right. you need to do this ratio which has no name, which is net profit divided by total capital, that is capital employed. You know, let, uh, I mean, I will go further to your process, but let me just ask a few questions here only. Right. Um, you know, so let's let's go back as to why this ratio would ever come at the very first right. place, right? The ratio which which you uh, efficiently said ROCE, or maybe you know, there's a book, Damodaran's book lying here, and he says that okay, let's not take EBIT, let's take EBIT into one minus T and remove the tax component also. And, the only reason why we are doing this is because we want to see before paying off the debt holders what is the company making on the capital which is employed by the company. Right. So, 
I have, my what question is right there. My question is right there. What am I going to do with that ratio? Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to know what the company is doing before paying interest? So, what is your value? So should I tell you my understanding? Sure. So, um, so let's say if I have to compare two companies, right? The major the value of that ratio comes when I'm comparing two companies where the the capital structure of the two firms are extremely different, and I just want to know the efficiency of the capital, the way the capital has been utilized to generate returns. Now, if I want to do that. I would have to take interest component out to see what the company is making before paying off any kind of capital holder, be it share capital or debt capital, and just by the operation of the company, how much the company is making on the money it has induced in the business. So, from at least from my understanding, that is the reason why that ratio came up, and that is why the people see that ratio. So, no. Once again, what is the practical utility of knowing that? I I have given a very clear practical utility of knowing, knowing how much is left for the shareholder, and how much that is on the total money invested in the business. Okay. That is what matters. If you were running a shop, right? You are a shop owner. Right. You are running a kirana shop. End of the month, you have thirty thousand rupees. Right. You know that you have put in one lakh rupees in that business. Right. You know that you have borrowed one lakh rupees from your brother-in-law. You know you have two lakh rupees invested in that business, and you have got thirty thousand at the end of the month. Right. So that's a utility. Fair enough. So I mean, uh, the more I am thinking simultaneously about it, let me put it this way: that if I have to, um, so you are saying that no matter what the capital structure is, at the end of the day, the shareholders get paid, right? So maybe for comparison purpose, you won't want to do all those things, but when you are investing in a particular company, it's better to look at yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah. I th- I tell you what there are lots of ratios. Right. Huh? Right. There are you know debt equity, free cash flow, hundred ratios. Right. If you do this one ratio. Right. You would have eliminated the need for anything else. Okay. Why? Because s- suppose I uh, you have a cut off of eight percent. Nine percent, eleven percent doesn't matter what. We have a cut off of eleven percent, right. and we also look at companies which are into seven and eleven category to see if they come up. But that's uh, side right. uh, work. Main work is eleven percent plus. Now, eleven percent plus of this ratio, right. there are only four hundred companies in India. Fair okay. When you're saying you're taking an average of how many years? This is for four rolling quarters. So now. If you see these companies, right. there will still be companies which have, which are doing very well, right. with the after paying off the interest also. Okay. So a company like Nitin Spinners, right. Nitin Spinners has a debt equity of around close to two, right. Right? right? So if I have a spreadsheet where I have this figure, right. and I have a figure of debt to equity ratio also. Just as an additional check whether this has come through the filter, right. I think I'll have all about fifty to sixty companies with the debt equity ratio of more than point five in this. Right. So see how robust this ratio is. Sure. So I could go and see who's borrowed, what interest rate, etc., etc., what business, what sector. It's all irrelevant to me. Right. So having done this, let me continue what I do. Right. I have another in the spreadsheet another. Thing which is uh, your tax rate. Okay. 
few effective tax rate the moment it falls below 30 percent or so 28 percent 27 percent I start getting I start to look because then there is something else going on over there and it is one of the reasons of course uh, I was not entirely right but one of the reasons we never touched Kaveri seeds was the fact that its tax the ratio was 0.1 or something but that was for a different reason which uh, Ayush Muktal was explaining one day but in any case we we just automatically we rejected that for right reasons or wrong reasons that we will know later. Uh, so, if you do these three things, you put the strictest possible test, beat 11 percent net profit on your capital employed, stay below 0.5 on debt equity ratio right. and pay 35 percent tax, 30 percent tax whatever, whatever the filter you want, you want to use and all these are, if they all fall in line there is once you choose the first the others will automatically fall they are all high taxpayers very few of them are not the coverage seeds was one of the exceptions right. I said itna sub company why bother so we did not bother about coverage right. seeds I'm exceptionally lucky I guess. So, once you put these three filters right. you have only the the creamiest companies in, in India. Right. Now, you have two choices we are still of course, we are still doing this is frozen I mean we, we had this system in place and we selected stocks on the basis of this in 2012, 2013 and so and the results are we beat all the mutual funds in every year except 2013, 14, 15 and then all the 2 year, 3 year, 4 year periods in each of these. Okay. We started 2012 to 13, 12 to 14, 12 to 15 all of these years we are number 1. And if I am getting right, this is the parallel if you if let us say I draw the parallel between Joel Greenblatt and Rob. Joel Greenblatt does use EBITDA. Yeah, he does use ROC. ROC yeah, and, and uh, earnings yield. Yeah. And he uses earnings deal. We do not use it. So, that is another story. Okay. Okay. We do not use P. Sure. I mean now we have started using P little bit because it is uh, quicker, easier. We also are able to relate to. So, when we started we were not using P. Right. And subsequently now with more tests the difference between what we used to use and the P is narrowed down. Right. So, we may drop that altogether and start using P right. as going forward. But when we started we, we were using operating profit to market cap. The reason we were doing that and the reason we were not doing net profit mm. is because it is very simple. I said this first one which is our ROC already captures quality companies. Okay? Mm. Now, what I am interested to know mm. is on an operating basis, what is the valuation of this company? Because I do not need to now know, I have already done one round of filter. Mm. Now, my only focus is on the operating part of the business. Operating part of the business is not the focus earlier because ultimately for shareholders, return is what matters. For valuation what matters is how many times your operating profit of this set not all set not the entire 1400 companies that we have in our database right, right. having selected this we wanted to know on on that basis okay. so uh, we used to forgive sorry. me but if i can slightly ask more on this ratio yeah. why why not operating cash flow or operating profit divided by market cap plus debt or ev so to speak Huh. And why not? Why only market? No, the, uh, the all these things are there in the textbooks for a purpose. I think all this thing is there to help investment bankers value businesses. Okay. 
okay, okay. for mergers and acquisitions okay when you we, we, we also tried this right. market cap to a, a bit uh, with the uh, thing and we picked up a great company by this it was amazing it was just going at a throwaway price when we did these numbers um market cap plus debt operating profit market cap plus debt and number 2 in that list Two and a half, three years ago was NBCC, and it was 170 bucks. So I looked at that and I said, "Wow, <laughs> what a stock!" So that's how we we selected that, but we dumped that because that has no predictive value. Okay. There is the using that metric, you will not be able to figure out whether the company is uh, is uh, attractively priced or not for the simple reason, once again. to repeat what i said i have already moved away from companies which are debt heavily indebted okay so i am now working with a smaller set of companies filtered ones where debt is low so for me to add back debt and figure out what is a business value which is really an acquisition value of the company is meaningless that's why okay so we do uh, we we used to use only these two metrics okay weigh them 0.5 each re-rank them and then then apply my mind so what what we used to do is we still do we have five categories right. unlike mid cap large cap and small cap we have micro cap small cap can you simultaneously give the yeah one to up to 100 crore is micro cap 100 to 500 is small cap 500 to 2000 crore is mid cap right. 2000 to 10000 crore is large cap okay. 10000 above is mega cap sure so we said that if we don't want to have a complete full rank if you want if you have a one rank right. we'll end up selecting all kinds of micro cap and small cap companies it really makes no sense so we had this stocklet in two variants one is lion which is more large cap one is antelope which is more mid cap okay. and in any case this cap sizes we have had for 7 8 years now from right from the beginning we had because i never understood why i have only three try and segregate that even finer because the characteristics of each are all different And in any cases, you are asking what uh, the issues with mutual funds. M- mutual funds have ac- Axis Bank and Wipro in their mid-cap portfolios also. So that's one of the things that you know, yeah, which which screws up performance according to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so we had these five cap sizes, and um, we sorted in within them. Sure. So we have a rank within the la- mega cap. We have a rank within the. large cap and so on and so forth right. the final stage is what my own 25 30 years of experience this comes into play when i look at a stock and my sense of what i know of the promoter and so on and so forth so um, so there are certain stocks certain companies we even if they're high on the list we will try and avoid we may not pick them even if they're cheap psus fascinating story when modi came to became the pm psus were really cheap and we bought a, put a lot of them in the uh, in our stock letter okay i also suggested some of my friends also buy them in september 2014 we sold everything including banks including stocks like rec and all that which have subsequently collapsed right so we we watched for 6 months and when i was looking at the portfolio i actually exited Had a profit of around ten percent over six month period in that PSU portfolio. Right. <laughs> so I was really lucky escape because all the stocks have subsequently have just collapsed right. after we exited in September October, 
mm. at some at a loss, some at a profit, but overall the portfolio, that part of the portfolio made money. Could so, be, but, but this is one boss. time, this is one time, right in the beginning, I said what we don't do. We don't speculate of what is going to happen. This is where we did. And we got it on, one, on our neck. I was going to ask that because it completely negates with what you... Totally. And all this is a learning process. Right. This is now refined in the last six months even further. You know, I'm able to articulate that we don't speculate. Is At that time, if you had asked me, I would have told you only the formula. I would not have been able to say that what I am able to, uh, that we don't do. This I've learned from the Prashanja and experience and some of the other people uh, that we you know, track currently. So our idea was that this uh, is not the right process right. and uh, to speculate. So we did that. Right. Exactly. So that was, these are all part of the learning process. One other learning process I've described, I have not described one of the steps that I do. Apart from the um, uh, ROC, R-R-R-C and uh, RP. So let's, let's call it money life. Uh, yeah. Capital <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't discuss this with qualified people because they laugh at me. Right. <laughs> but, you know. So the third one, we realize, we realize now this is more and more work is going on. Right. There are certain kind of companies, if they go up, I don't care because I've reached a certain emotional stability as far as my process is concerned that if tomorrow ACC goes up 300%, I don't care. But I do care the fact that I did not recommend Britannia three years ago. Right. That really hurts me. Okay. So we are doing further work on what we, stocks that have actually gone up right. and why we didn't do, why we didn't pick them and what we missed out of them. So if there's some way I'm able to refine, I've missed out some parameter which could be another parameter, I'll try and do that. Um, the sir, third thing, uh, which we have now plugged, one of the reasons why what we missed out and right. now we have plugged that is a very crucial thing, which is neither there in uh, Wesley Gray's book nor there in, uh, in this guy, Joel Greenblatt's book, which is earnings momentum. And this is a very, very, very important thing. You well, can, well, that will be there in Wesley Gray's upcoming book. Ah, okay. Right, right, right. In December. Correct. Is there? So uh, this would this would separate uh, this would prevent you from buying a stock which is a great stock which is just not moving because they're eating up your time and capital and so on. So th there are stocks which uh, which are high on ROC, right. which are reasonably valued, right. but just will not move. And we've, we've realized this based on our previous experience. Right. So what was missing there? Then we looked at it and found out there are stocks within our universe, the right. stocks that have done best, have certain amount of earnings momentum behind them. Right. So we have found a way to capture sales momentum and as well as the profit momentum okay. of the last four to six quarters. And uh, we have now a metric to, to track that and bring that as a third factor. So we have now three factors equally weighted. To look at TTM growth of yeah. sales yeah, and yeah, 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 okay. yeah. One is the valuation, one is the ROC, one is the earnings momentum. Fair enough. Now, when I look at this, uh, I'm very confident that this approach is going to beat mutual funds persistently. This is going to be and the difference is going to keep increasing 
because our returns you see the only a birla sun life firm opportunities fund and an lnt value fund have twice come every year their order will change right. one guy will go up and another guy will come on right. but as long as we are in number 1 number 2 it essentially means that our uh, lead will continue to increase with the rest of the industry because if we fall back on number 7 then we are again back to square one in terms of putting out but 3 years in a row we are number 1 Right. and the reason for that is that a we are not never going to buy a stock like sbi hoping that the banking sector blah 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 right. and uh, and we are also fairly confident that the with all these three things in place which is earnings momentum and valuation and return on capital employed right we have covered almost all the major factors that actually create value Yeah. create enormous so value could it be because say if you look at mutual funds is it the size which is the biggest hampering which is not the case in your no no, no the size is nothing to do with it no, the size has something to do with I mean, it they have a compulsion to go with size so if a right. mid cap mutual fund ends up with 5000 yeah. crores no the uh, the size is so the size does not allow no no the the reason is that it's a it's a completely different thing that i'll say now which we haven't discussed at all which is timing now i have a firm belief that you can time the market approximately you don't need to buy at the top uh, sell at the top and buy at the bottom it is possible to time approximately and timing can make huge difference to yeah. your results mutual funds can overcome the problem of size with timing but they don't do that so it, they should be uh, they should be in cash for instance i remember one of the things i tweeted like say, no, for example that is what we, i was going to come to so for example maybe a year back i think you have a process on your asset allocation yeah yeah, yeah when yeah. you were high on cash maybe in september 2014 14 yeah, yeah so maybe you could say go on to that part of the model also where right. yeah this is a very important part of the thing because that that helps us uh, show a terrific performance on the invest tool which is part of mssn yeah. where the asset allocation is there right so what we've done is we've uh, we've sliced the valuation historical valuation of sensex or nifty or whatever you call it right and people normally take a very broad approach 22 to 24 26 or whatever yeah. now this sounds like a number but it's a huge variation because it's a small two digit number you don't realize 20 22 is like 10% jump right and 10% jump for the market is not small right. okay right. so we realize that this is not the way to do 20 to 24 or 26 or p is high and this is low we have actually done a distribution of market p at intervals of 0.5 okay okay so 20.5 to 21 21 to 25 and we have a clear sense of what should be your percentage investment in stocks right at each of these intervals as at 0.5 intervals okay of p of market, overall market p okay and uh, it this is not something anybody else has done They've, even the even idfc fund is a very it's a broad area, too broad according to me 
right three band parameter yeah so it has there has to be many more bands according do you, do you do this for other asset classes to make a complete portfolio or you yeah yeah we are, we have a tool okay. by which if you can just put an x amount right. at any time it will tell you right. depending what your objective it could be a lump sum investment it could be a sip or whatever so suppose you say i want to invest 2 lakh rupees right. which is a lump sum so it will tell you how much to uh, invest in fixed income and how much to invest in equity at this time okay? okay and within the fixed income depending on your tax bracket it will tell you divide between fd and ta- you know, tax free bonds and so on and so right. forth so what happens is that if you do if suppose i'm seeing 30% in equity and so right. on and so and i have a program to get you f- let's say 60 40 should be your ideal asset allocation right. i'm starting with 70 30 right. and i have a program to get you to 60 40 by the end of 18 months let's say right. okay so we have an approximate way of calculating that as time passes what should be your in, uh, investment in this and part of this suppose the market collapses tomorrow so that roughly those uh, 20% points that we are not investing in equity right now right. let's say it should be 60 now it's 30 so 30 right. so 30 30 30 gets accumulated in fd right. so that particular month you will get an alert from us saying that now in push shift so much of Uh, money from there to get to 60 40 yeah okay. so we have that uh, algorithm in our tool so um, and so that is there for both monthly investment as well as a lump sum investment so this this takes care of your stock selection which is on the basis of uh, the refined green dot version right and then the allocation as to how much goes into equity right let's go to the con- let's go to that portfolio which you are constructing Are you putting equal amount of money in all the stocks which are putting? Right. How much companies you're taking, and right. you know how do you define that? I have I have another point to make. Right. The reason why we have necessarily we have to follow this process is because we have neither the time nor the opportunity to meet companies. Right. And also, and then I keep saying that even if we met the companies, I don't think there much value is going to be added to our stock selection process because yeah. according to us, companies themselves don't know. what is going to happen for quarters down the line so let me just complete that part why we do that so you're saying that even if you have all the bandwidth you must you might still go with the same process yeah except that i for the micro cap and small caps i may want to meet i mean ma- meeting management may help the for, for instance i'll give you a name of a stock called uh, finiotex right. okay the stock is sharply up today also Now I'm very curious to know about this company. There's hardly any information in, on this. Right. So if we meet them based on my experience of, you know, assessing companies, promoters, what they are, and so right. on and so forth, I may be able to make up, take a call on them without getting influence. On the other hand, the downside is that they might say s- such fantastic things, and you know, human mind is such an amazing thing. We may, yeah. we may feel that we are in full control of right. our senses, but we so just like for, just for an example of information. So the last time the stock went up was Amitabh Bachchan was invested in this company. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that was a block deal. Okay. I think oh, so. I didn't know that. Yeah, so but, maybe but, I'll search and get back. Amazing. I think that is the case. <laughs> okay. But tell me one thing. Then isn't that diluting the whole idea that the biases should not come into picture? Because then the judgment will come. Yes, in. and that's why we are quite we are fairly confident that we don't need to meet people right. to be able to get a sense of right. this. And in fact, in one or two cases where I I got. accidentally i met a director of a company right. which we had anyway recommended right. and my idea was reinforced right. that yes this company is doing well the stock has just not moved up, up at all right. you know so the stock moves on the, on a set of factors which have nothing to do with uh, 
what the company is happening at this time or whatever so let's so, go to the allocation yeah. question so within the portfolio how do you do this like yeah there, there are two things one is that uh, initially when suppose you are a subscriber now what should you be doing and suppose you are a subscriber from 2012 and what should you there are two different situations right if you invest now we say divide your money equally okay. into all the stocks for that also we have a tool Uh, because if you have a limited amount of money and these prices are all different that's one of the reasons we had to drop Aishwarya Motors and MRF both were part of our portfolio even though we knew these stocks are great we had to drop them because people started complaining that you want us an equal allocation <laughs> this sets the benchmark for an equal allocation for all the other stocks we don't have that kind of money mm-hmm. so we had to drop so we also have limitations which fund managers don't have yeah. you know <laughs> see it it works both ways <laughs> it's all really funny so we have a tool for that suppose you have 20000 rupees right uh, you put that amount 20000 you says put press the sub in button what the tool does is according to the smallest price stock right. to the highest price stock it will give you an order Suppose AVT Naturals is one of the stock, right. and its price is thirty rupees. Right. And suppose with the last stock that you can buy out of this twenty thousand allocation, suppose it was two thousand rupees, so you can buy ten stocks. Right. 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 So the tool will suggest uh, you're buying twenty thousand, ten uh, stocks, twenty thousand, thousand rupees per stock. Right. So the AVT will probably will say buy thirty five stocks. Right. So we'll change the number of. Yeah. stocks that you need to buy so as to give to you an equal exposure right. based on the price that the that's your initial investment right once you start that process then stocks will move in different direction avt will go down to 20 and you know maybe yeah. alembic is going to go, go up another seven fold or whatever but generally how many stocks are there in one there, category right now there are 17 active stocks in one category So, but when you do the ranking, do you have a set number of stocks in mind as to okay number fifteen? We top? wanted to have thirty-three max, which we say in the stock letter. We'll not go beyond three percent exposure to a single, so that okay. makes it thirty-three. Okay. We had we had gone up to thirty, but we have reduced now, and okay. we may add two, three. The market crashes, we may add five, but we are quite comfortable and between seven. Remaining is cash. No, now this is now account? this is full. Com- full complete in, uh, total total investment. This is fully invested portfolio right now. Well, let's say if there are fifteen, then you say the allocation will go up accordingly. If we we try not to, we may drop one, we may add another. Right. These are fine tuning. This is a kind of fine tuning which is difficult to do. You right. can do only in a PMS right. or in a fund. We are not able to do. If we see a very good opportunity, we add to uh, people who are sticklers. They come back and say, "You asked us to. Where will I get the rest of the money from?" Mm. We try to adjust that, mm. but I, you know, I really don't know what is the answer to this because within right. a process, how will I be able to accommodate everybody? Uh, we don't know. Fair so enough. we just we make sure that we don't out of seventeen, we don't suddenly make it thirty-three. Then that really colla- process is collapsed there. Then that's not for there, which means you are fifty percent in cash. You know, so we don't do that. Fair we enough. just do two, and we probably. Uh, There are always stocks to remove, not too yeah. many. Maybe five, ten percent stocks, like Colgate. Right. We are uh, we were wrong about Colgate. We were wrong about Castrol. Right. So we got rid of Castrol. We had added one more stock from there. So Colgate, we are waiting to see what happens in this quarter. We'll probably <coughs> get out of that. Right. We'll add something else. And so there's always some stock. And what is the frequency of revaluation? Is it quarterly because the TTM changes? Yeah, yeah, quarterly. Okay. These results are reviewed quarterly. 
right. or the entire database is rerun quarterly. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. So, um, so this becomes. So the, the the, there, is, there is a last part to it. Right. So what happens when the stocks start moving in different directions? Right. Are uh, there are a lot of theories on rebalancing. Right. And the classical theory is that you should rebalance back to 60-40 or 70-30. We have tested this for 5 years ago and we found rebalancing has no merit. Okay. And uh, I was very heartened to see that uh, somebody else has come to the same. Oh, coffee can portfolio. If you yeah. see that, yeah. uh, I was just reading it a few days ago. They said, if you did not see what happens is that the best gets better and better and better and this reduces right. in terms of value, right. in terms of portfolio. So, you, you really do not need to do anything over there. So right. Their study again reinforces what we had found out five, six years are, ago. Are these studies available for people to read? Coffee can is available. No, no, what you did with Indian students? We did with uh, mutual funds. Mutual funds, okay. So, once we did it with mutual funds, we said that well. To test the rebalancing theory. Doesn't work. Okay. There's no need, is what our sense is. Okay. So, let me. Okay. So, this, when the stock really is not is not uh, performing, right. like a Castrol Colgate, you get out. It will automatically get out of you. Yeah. So, that's it. That's the exit, yeah. Right. So, your selling decision is based on your ranking of stocks on your parameters, and if it goes out, yeah. it goes out. Yeah. So, there is no story, theory, nothing like that. No looking forward in future. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So uh, here, let me another you know ask another question, which comes from my reading of uh, you know Yale Endowment Fund and uh, other endowment funds. Um, David Swenson is popular for saying that most of the return which Yale Foundation makes, and you guys do this, that so most of the returns they make are not because of stock selection, but because of Allocation, portfolio allocation. That's not correct. In fact, he made humongous money on timber, and we have no opportunity to buy timber. No, I'm just saying that his idea <laughs> is that he says it doesn't matter what stocks you say. Yeah, go yes. ahead. So uh, you are answering on the David Finch part. So the whole idea, what he said, that is that once you get the allocation decision right, that okay, this much should go to debt, this much should go to equities, gold, commodity, whatever it is. Once you decide that right, uh, that more or less decide, and but but he's in hundred percent, but that more or less decide your return. And I will simultaneously collaborate with a study which was done by uh, a friend of relation. Uh, you know, we discussed this thing that in two thousand fourteen, if you take a random portfolio, yeah, please turn a detail. Yeah, if you take a random portfolio and you forget about you know the quality parameter or any parameter whatsoever, just run an Excel random function, the returns are. Outsized and it beats most of the portfolios because the market in itself was rising. So if you have got your equity and allocation, you don't rebalance right, the right ones. Yeah, and if you get the equity allocation right, uh, the market up move in itself take care of it. So what's your view there? Do you think that see it's entirely possible that we never thought of removing the stock selection criteria ultimately? But what is your view? What what is uh, you know uh, how do you go about thinking about that? Can so that to be a way out, like, give you a brief of that study, it was 25 stocks, 4% each, bought it one day and kept holding it. So we did it over various cycles. So what happens is we realized is in good times, you so that average was 130% for 2014. And if you, even if you try to do it for 2008, the market average would be 60%, now you might be down 70%. 
So in the good times, if your equity allocation is right, my uh, and we worked on the the whole idea was my niece would have statistics, so she so, did the so whole. What's your what's your take on that? See. Uh, we have a very short history, which is about 20, 25 years, right. and nobody, nobody has access to data before that. Uh, people have data, but they're not sharing. Right. RBI, RBI has some data, which is old data, you know, on stocks, different series, yeah. Okay. So if you see last 20, 25 years, there have been three major crashes. Right. Okay. So if that happens with some regularity, seven years, eight years, ten years, whenever that is, right. then the and this is something that I've engaged with Professor Sanjay Bakshi for a while. I mean, I wrote to him on Twitter. He sent me a, he put Ayush and others on a study. They shared the findings with me, but I still think that can be improved. The, it's, according to me, it's very, very, very important to sidestep a major crash. Okay. That's the first thing. Right. Because you're really looking at long-term returns. I guess when David Swenson talks about it, he doesn't talk about few years return, he talks about a long term return. And I still don't know what constitutes the start of a crash or whatever, because a lot of there is the factors there is qualitative. Okay. Now, a lot of factors are global also. In fact, last three crashes have been global. Right. So, uh, we need to, according to me, we need to distinguish between an average decline right. and a crash. Right. All that you are discussing is okay for an average decline scenario. Okay. For you to really come out well in stocks far, far ahead of others, um, you need to sidestep major declines. When stocks get sold irrespective of value you have to have some way of figuring that out that this is the time we need to sharply reduce our exposure to stock without that uh, you cannot either prove or disprove what david swenson is saying you can disprove him only if you do this right. this is really the differentiator according to me so in your model like say in the stock letter, do you have a cash allocation based on this? Yeah. We still don't have it, but what we are now doing mm. is uh, we've actually done a lot of work to see if technicals can help us either uh, move out uh, temporarily or move out permanently. One of the two. Permanently meaning I don't know what the what is that. What, for me, uh, a 60% decline in n 9 months is like a permanent move out of stock. Right. You really saved 60%. And you not save 60%, you save 90% because you are talking about the higher value and not the lower. Okay. So, we've tried to use technicals whether we are able to identify certain situations, but still we are still working at it. Right. Now, we also want to apply uh, price uh, some kind of valuation band. So it, along with the technical, if possible, right. with an overlap. But by the way, we have done a huge amount of work on technicals, right. independent of this, for short-term trading. Right. And uh, very, very fascinating stuff I found out about different kinds of parameters, and right. I have a model for that also, which I don't discuss. 
but that's, we will discuss would you, would you, <laughs> not we won't record off record we will okay sure we will discuss then off the record sure the uh, so that work is going on right my sense is that we um, that we need to diligently follow the valuation band for smaller companies because the market adverse market reaction to smaller companies is much more magnified than compared to larger companies for larger companies we need to have a a different formula maybe simpler formula etc fair enough the second point is that the is what professor bakshi says that you buy a good quality stocks good quality stock you hold it until you think that the valuation is such that you're not going to get a 20% compound return for the next 10 year correct right. he has given some uh, exit multiple also yeah, 20 multiple. on cash flow correct right right so which is i like that approach because it's a quantitative approach right. it's not dependent on what i feel is a 10 month moving average and this and that and so on and so forth right so we will we uh, our problem with that is that you are supposed to project you are supposed to project cash flow we are simply unable to project anything that's our <laughs> position in life okay because i, I don't even know what the these uh, whether the company will share anybody the analyst numbers are correct on what basis will i do the other point other minor point in this is that a lot of these p uh, discussions take place on a forward p right which again i find it completely useless because year after year after year the forward p is turning out to be rubbish right but people are still talk valuation in terms of forward p so i'll i'll just uh, give a slight input there that the benefit which at least i got from the framework is not to project the 10 year down the line cash flows but rather than uh, see what kind of a projection the market is making for the further 10 year cash flow so rather than saying so what's built in in the price is far but far and it's far uh, objective thing which we get out of that model and see does that make sense or not yeah. so that yeah. has helped me more in that sense right right, right. implied growth rate out of the implied, yeah, implied growth right, rate right, so right, to speak right 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 so so when you are saying you're trying to combine you know technicals and uh, i'm assuming that the whole idea is to uh, let's say effectively you know remove the periods where there is drastic amount of fall in the price that i am i am dead serious about right. i feel that that is there has to be no matter who's doing what if that is not factored in in terms of their process right then uh, you're really leaving a lot on the table and i don't want to lose I, so much i know time. one i mean I, again uh, the same idfc fund the premier equity fund they have a criteria like that i don't know whether you are aware of it but they use a 200 dma to weed mm. out uh, 200 dma doesn't work for stocks okay. in fact in fact for large cap stocks right. you should do the opposite we have a technical experts so. <laughs> you should do the opposite if it falls below 200 dma so much then it's a time for it to bounce back so the funny part about 200 dma so let me tell you 200 days was supposed to be the yearly moving average today in the current we we have 245 to 255 days we are still we are still using the 200 right. so which is no why i'm talking about the effectivity of it right it's as random as anything which, which is maybe random thing which is maybe in fiber does 10 month moving average right, which, right. which which has worked recent in recent right. times but these things don't right. they have a way so of disappointing until now you really don't have something to stop you to getting into cash in 2007 yeah. as of now yeah. so the model i have the overall market still not been 
overall yeah it's still not been activated so i think stock uh, letter there is no cash allocation no like it has been in the Investing. asset allocation yes side. yes yes, yes. So, are you planning to do a mix of work no it will in any case it is uh, you know it is um, uh, what we normally do is that in to some extent we do that if the stock is not performing we move it to a different section altogether which is said yeah. new guys or additional money don't put into that particular stock but for a new person to come and say i am um, and selling is also very clearly given the only issue for a person who's coming in now he is likely to interpret to as that i have if i have five stocks let's say at a market peak i have sort of eliminated rest of it and my performance is going to be based on the fact that i have booked profits whereas a new guy has not got all those profits he'll probably put 20% each in this five stocks because i have said that we need that is the only situation i'll start worrying when the market moves beyond a certain valuation level that stage by which time i think my study and all will be in place and then we'll say that now right now only put so much of money in stocks yeah. so but we will do it mixing the like the model you have on yeah, nifty yeah, with the yeah, yeah, stocks yeah, part yeah, where yeah, you go correct, on cash correct absolutely absolutely because that is what like say my study has been so the only way there is no other hedge apart from cash yeah yeah so, i yeah. i completely yeah. every other hedges are just for hedge funds yes to Absolutely. 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 Correct. 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 So, um, so as I sit here, as I see your, you know, book collection, and which is extremely, I mean, you're probably one of the very, very few guys. Uh, I'm extremely jealous of now because of the book collection. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think, um, I think there's nobody individual has a collection like this. Is what my sense is. Yes, it's it's. I think I have seen uh, Prof's collection um, virtually in his pictures, and I've seen yours, which is. Really, uh, give me the. So, what what do you suggest? What are the recent, most recent books you have read, which you would recommend me to read on my way back to Delhi? <laughs> mm. Or which is the best of all, and you can have a time and look at all the books. I the, there's one book which is not here, which is by uh, Ladslo Brini. Okay. Uh, what trader? Some trader. It's called. It's a. It's at home. It's a. It's a fantastic book. Okay. It combines fundamentals with. his unique technicals which we have actually reviewed in the magazine some time ago okay um, that's a great book to read um okay. i nothing new actually has come which is fantastic um so out of the books which are here which is like two books you can pick me and ask me to read one you have already read which is quantitative value quantitative yes yeah, that you read that with this expected returns by Ilman okay. is phenomenal because he he just goes into every single asset class and what you should expect um, from whatever publicly available databases and that very surprisingly lot of lot of people don't realize that many of the securities that are traded today don't have a history of more than thirty years right. and especially in India at least equities in the U S has a long history. Right. that's because somebody took the trouble of documenting all that and it's part of a university right that crif or whatever that but crisp or something it's called it's a database but uh, that that book is fantastic that expected returns which is like that which is super and every single book of ken fisher we i like i really like yeah, yeah. he's got always got a point of I, i got introduced to him when i was reading about financial shenanigans and he wrote a book mm. called how to smell a rat yes 
So, um, and there is one question which I wanted to ask, which I forgot earlier. Right. You mentioned this section in Money Life, which is about manipulation and suspected manipulation of stock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and most of the time, it's a very small piece. What is your criteria to judge if there is a financial? Is the is the price rise the only criteria? And See, no. We look at the fundamentals. <laughs> we mentioned it in the. Usually, I tell them to find stocks which have gone up three, four thousand percent with zero revenues. That's my ideal. <laughs> That's my ideal. Right. So I always pick stocks where either the the revenue in some cases the revenue is zero. Some it's, it's astounding, right. Right. and there is a profit. I don't know how this accounting works. Right. Thirty-one zero revenues, thirty-one lakh profit. Maybe it's an income tax refund or whatever. Right. So, uh, so this is my dream. to find companies with zero revenues which have gone up 800% we had a lengthy discussion exactly some of them have tested this to find out the fine these no they my analysts are good at this so i think they run some numbers they find and there's just so many of them i think you throw a dart in bse you likely to get company do many of them let us not talk about great great thanks a lot sir it was a pleasure pleasure talking to you thanks nurish Really. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.